Hi, I'm James Sabolsky. You're listening to Tobin Tonight. What made you interested in doing the radio program here at Algonquin? Well, it's kind of funny how I got into it and, and fell into it, but I, at the time, you know, I was, I had taken, um, for co-op, I had taken a workplace in television and uh, Rogers Community Television in Ottawa, and in my whole vision was like, oh, I want to be a TV sportscaster. I want to be doing sports on TV, and that was that. And I had applied for the program for the TV side, and I didn't get in. My thought at the time was, Ah, no problem. I'll, you know, I applied for radio as a fallback, and I'll just transfer over after the first year, and it'll be no thing. Well, somewhere along the way, I really enjoyed what I did, and I had no idea. Like, I had never been in a radio station. I had no clue from a radio side. I mean, obviously, I grew up listening to the radio, and my parents always had 580 CFRA on, which was a staple in the house. But I, I got in. I was actually initially on a waiting list, and then I wound up getting into the uh, radio side. So well, my thought was I was going to swap over, but I wound up staying through the program for two years. And, and it turned out to be probably the best thing that happened for me because, you know, I learned how to talk properly. I learned how to communicate. I learned how to, you know, improvise a lot on the air where I think for a lot of people on TV, you you have a lot of the technical elements of television, but sometimes you don't necessarily get the the on-air instruction that you do really in radio because, Let's face it, audio is everything. You you have to sound, you have to communicate. It's imperative where in television you have the benefit of visuals where you can show video and you can show images of stuff. Now, while you were in this program, were you doing other things on the side? Because I know it says here as well that you worked with the 67s, you've done overtime for Rogers TV. Was that during your time at Algonquin or after? So for me, during my time, I volunteered with community television, try to keep my foot in the door and just get my reps. You know, that's that's another big thing. It's one thing to have the schooling and the education, but it's another thing to you really need to get your reps, whether it's, you know, similar to a practice element in in pro sports or or if you're if you play in sports like, you know, it's the old cliche practice makes perfect. Well, sometimes you got to find a place to get those reps. And for me, it was volunteering and and trying to get an opportunity to, to just get on air at any possible way. So during that time while I was at all, uh, while I was at Algonquin, in addition to that, I would volunteer as well, still in community television when I had the time. And, you know, I was still lucky, you know, and, and for me, I was lucky that I still lived at home at the time. And as you know, I was in my late teens and, and uh, I was 18, 19, 20 at the time that I went to Algonquin. So I still lived at home at the time. And you know, obviously it helped because I was from the area, but I did, boy, I did ringette. I did play-by-play for ringette. I did play-by-play for touch football tournaments. I did karate tournaments. I did uh, university football tournament or university football games, CIS games for Carlton Ravens when they were horrible, like absolutely terrible. Like getting blown out like 50 to 10 and uh, week in, week out. It was awful. They the only guy that was really uh, there are two guys that were really good, um, Jason Kralt and Cameron Legault, who both wound up going to play for the BC Lions at a time I worked in Vancouver. And years later, and we we kind of laughed. Years later, it was like I hated interviewing you guys because you guys were a horrible interview. And they would look at me and they said, "Well, we hated when you interviewed us because we'd always just been blown out. And you'd ask the stupidest questions." But 
it was a perfect opportunity for me to learn and to just get those repetitions in any way possible. I hosted, uh, you know, the uh, kids' science shows on Rogers. I, I did anything possible that I could. Sports show called Scoreboard that was a short-lived thing. Uh, you know, the, the overtime, the Ottawa Senators show came after I had finished uh, at Algonquin, which was a great experience and opportunity for me. But it was, you know, at every corner and every avenue that there was an opportunity, I tried to do my best to get on the air. And it didn't matter what the event was. I treated it like it was Monday Night Football. I treated it like it was Hockey Night in Canada. It was, to me, the biggest sporting event in the world at that time, the event that I was covering. When did you get your first kind of big break in the score? My first opportunities kind of came where my first job was at Shea 106. And uh, I was working at Shea for about three years working in the newsroom. And I started you know, basically updating the sports call line, which was basically a phone-in. If you wanted scores, um, they would they we updated like basically doing a sports cast on the telephone every fifteen minutes, and eventually worked into doing a, an anchor job and news on the weekend and reporting, and, uh, and then I'd gone over to do sports at six at CFRA in the summer of nineteen ninety eight, uh, where uh, James Ellingson, the Duke, a former uh, rider, had had just left for another position, and so I got on there and. And that's where, you know, I was doing sports and I still was continuing to do overtime, the Ottawa Senators show. And that's where I had a friend of mine I had gone to Algonquin with. And here it speaks to the benefits of Algonquin. I had a friend of mine who had moved to Toronto and he had gone on at Headline Sports, which eventually became known as The Score. And, you know, it was suggested to me by a couple of people over the time to, to send a demo and, you know, try to get your name in there. And so I eventually I sent a demo and... At the time, I, and this was probably in the spring of 98, that I, it, the score was only about a year old at the time, or headline sports, and they said, you know, hey, we like what you did. Uh, you, you know, uh, you got some talent here. We just don't have anything on the go, but, you know, we'll keep you in mind. And it was like, okay, to me, I was just a thanks but no thanks. But, you know, I had a conversation, and I felt like, okay, that's cool. So about five months later or so, in October of 98, I got a call from that same boss again, Anthony Shoshone, who was the general manager of uh, the score and, or the uh, the vice president of production and programming. And he said, hey, hey, how's it going? I said, it's great. I'm working at CFRA. I'm doing sports at six and doing a week. Yeah, I'm an afternoon sports guy. He's like, oh, that's great. So you're still interested in moving to Toronto? I'm like, yeah, for 35 grand. Yeah. All right. Let's go. And and that was that was the gig, and so I went to check it out and spent a weekend to kind of sit in to see how it all did, went. And about six weeks later, I had moved to Toronto, and in uh, late 1998, and, and that just kind of started the journey. And was so many other casting characters that were all kind of just cutting their teeth in kind of their early to mid 20s in those days, where there was Sid Sixero and Tim McAuliffe and, and Cabby and. Yeah, Greg Sansoni and Steve Coolius, Elliot Friedman, and, and so many others that, with so much talent behind the scenes and, and, and a list of so many others that came in, in in the years to follow and the months to follow, for that matter. Oh, yeah. I, for, I know a lot of those names still come to mind, but I forgot that Elliot Friedman was there as well. And then, of course, you moved on to TSN. How did that all come about? Well, uh, that was um, the opportunity there was I had actually, I was working in Vancouver for a few years. And I had an opportunity to get transferred back to Toronto in late 2003, early 2004, when Elliot Friedman had gone to Hockey Night in Canada. 
And so I got offered the position to be the senior reporter, and it was a hell of a challenge too. I mean, trying to go on after Fridge. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean that's a you know that's the sports media equivalent of like trying to go on after U two or something, right? I mean, he had just set the bar so incredibly high, and you know I was quite humbled and, and very flattered that they would give me at least the opportunity and just try to do the best I could. And so what I did for a couple of years, I had, you know, was covering a lot of the big assignments for the score at that time. And eventually um, it was around that time in uh, spring of 2006 where there was some scuttlebutt that, uh, hey, there might be, uh, I got a call out of the blue from Mark Millier, who was the vice president of programming at TSN and who ran SportsCenter. And he called me, and I thought it was one of my best friends in the business, and uh, one of my best friends personally to this day, uh, a guy named Sean McCormick. And Sean was a longtime uh, Sportsnet anchor and global anchor uh, out west as well, and Sean's now married to Jennifer Hedger. So the only person who I saw from that number, this is at a time when TSN and Sportsnet were still basically broadcasting in essentially the same building, yeah. which is pretty funny at a... At a up in Scarborough in the east end of Toronto. And so I get a call one day and I see the phone number, the 416-332-5000, and I'm just assuming, hey, it's my buddy McCormick. So I answer the phone, I'm like, hello, and I was covering, it was the day before Jay's opening day that year. And I answer the phone, hello, and it's like, hey James, uh, it's Mark Miller. And I basically proceed to say, screw off, whatever, (laughs) you know, and it's like, Excuse me? I'm like, yeah, whatever, man. I'm not, dude, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. And proceed to just start talking like a total ass. And, and now I'm hearing laughter on the other end of the phone, and I realize it's not Sean's laugh. And I finally said, wait a minute. Is this really Mark? And he's howling, laughing. And he's like, yes. <laughs> and I went, oh, my God. I am so story and I'm so embarrassed and I'm trying to take my foot out of my mouth now at this particular point yeah I said look I'm really sorry and I said look I'm just getting he's like do you have a minute I'm like well I'm just getting ready to do some interviews and he said would you ever be interested in coming to work for TSN and it was like wow I mean you know if you grew up in this country and you were a fan of sports I mean you know TSN was the pinnacle at the time and so I was like yeah obviously I mean yeah, let's talk. And so we just quickly exchanged, um, you know, a, it was a quick conversation over the phone. And he was like, what do you, you know, what do you make? What do you want? And this and that. And, and it was like, okay, well, we'll, we'll talk again. And, and from there, it just, uh, you know, the phone calls and back and forth with management. And I met with a few of uh, the executives and, you know, the, the moons aligned. And, and, you know, about a month or so later, it was, we agreed. And, and that was where I, you know, I had to let the people at the score know that I was leaving. And, you know, one of my, you know, my boss, Anthony, who had given me the chance, it was, that was a hard conversation to have. But I think, you know, to, to look back now, he kind of given me the blessing where it was like, he understood. He was like, I know you're ready. And he said, you know, the time's probably right. And, you know, you, you look at the way that history ultimately unfolded with the score television network, which is now owned by, Rogers, known as Sportsnet 360, that was a channel that, you know, it was just hard to compete 
long term yeah. as the little guy and you know the little engine that could and it, it paved the way for so many people and gave a launching pad to so many great careers in sports media but at the time it was just it was hard to be able to compete as Bell Media and Rogers were just continuing to gobble up the properties and the stuff that even that we valued at the score that had helped develop. I mean, we took properties that nobody wanted years back and, and had kind of gave them a platform and gave them a voice. And, and slowly but surely, as they kind of got established, you know, TSN and Sportsnet would both collectively wrangle them up and, and go. When I, when I grew up in the morning, I'd get a bowl of cereal, sit down, and watched highlights on the score before I watched TSN. I don't know if it was just, I, I feel like the score was just showed me a little bit of a younger vibe with who they had as their cast. Um, maybe it could have been the graphics that they were using, or it could have been just the fact that I, I got caught up with the score more often because they used to have wrestling, they used to have SmackDown on, and it used to be Raw was on TSN, and Raw was a little bit late for me but SmackDown was, I think, in Newfoundland around 8, 39 o'clock, so I could watch the whole program. They would show in between commercials. They'd have score updates, and I and then they'd even have a sports reporter on in between, sometimes on commercials saying, like, this is what we got coming up next. But it was just more interesting, as I said, like, look, these guys are the younger, the younger guys compared to what was known on TSN at the time. But as I got older, anyway, I transferred over to TSN, and when I saw... You and a couple more familiar faces. I was like, okay, so I'm starting to see how it goes. They they find a place to start off, and then they move to the bigger area. Well, as a, as a guy who watched SmackDown, you could probably appreciate it. It's like you start in a little promotion like Ring of Honor or ECW, and then you kind of go to the WWE, so to speak, right? Yeah, like when you mentioned earlier. Does about, that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like the other thing that I was going to mention, too, is when you said that Sportsnet and... TSN kind of shared the parking lot. In my mind, I still kind of look at it, and other people will differ because I see the comments that are made on each various website, but I see Sportsnet as a WCW where TSN is a WWE to me. I, I don't know why. I just think that there's a lot of guys from Sportsnet that went to TSN for a reason, like your Dreggers and your Mendez. So I feel like they've kind of had their foot in the door, and then they decided TSN is really where the big boys play. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, I, I think TSN had uh, effectively been number one in the marketplace for years. And, you know, TSN was established back in 1984, I think it was. You know, they had, they had a foothold in the marketplace for a good 15 years almost before Sportsnet finally got up and running. And, you know, along the way that you know, you look at a lot of the personalities and TSN just, you know, consistency. I mean, that's the one thing that TSN, I think, has done really well over the years in terms of their on-air talent and their personalities where, you know, I think TSN's done a, a great job of shaping and developing talent that have become established. I mean, Bob McKenzie, I mean, has been such a pioneer to the to the hockey world and the hockey industry as you know, the, the the preeminent hockey insider. And I don't think that's a slight on anybody else that, you know, covers the NHL in a way, in any way, shape, or form, the way Bob McKenzie. But Bob McKenzie is effectively a household name uh, among, uh, for Canadians. And, you know, Bobby Mack is unbelievable. But Bobby Mack has, grew with that station. And, you know, he was the first real TV personality that was kind of reporting on the news beyond, you know, the insiders and the possible trades and contracts and, 
and all of it. And he kind of gave a face to all that at the time. And, you know, to go through all that back in the late 80s and all through the 90s, and you look at where Bob's at now, and, and I think a lot of people would aspire to try to be, you know, the next Bob McKinn. And, you know, along those ways where – you know, the James Duffies and, and to bring on Dave Hodge out of time after he left Hockey Night in Canada, and Michael Landsberg and Gino Retta. You know, these guys have all been on for, you know, north, upward. No, some of those guys have been on for 30 years. You yeah. know, and James has been a TSN for, you know, close to 20 years. So Darren Detition, you know, I remember, I remember getting a, uh, one of my first on air critiques at uh, Air Checks at, when I was working at. Shea 106, so this would go back to like 1995, and I got torn a new one basically told, you're not cool, you know, you're not Darren Detitian. I mean, that's, you know, and then we're talking, that's almost 25 years ago, or north of 20 years ago, I mean, that tells you that Darren was well-established in the marketplace at that time, and I was just coming out of school. And it's, it's remarkable to see the, I think that's the one thing where, you know, Bell Media has certainly done an impressive thing, you know, in terms of consistency, you know, obviously Jay and Dan, Jennifer Hedger, you know, Rod Smith. I mean, the list goes on and on. And, and then you look at some of their bureau people for, for years and years that have been have been around. And, you know, Farhan Lulji uh, in Vancouver, has, it, you know, we're talking them close to 20 years that Farhan's been, you know, has been established on TSN. Uh, Brent Wallace, I think, is Brent's coming up on almost 20 years working in Ottawa yep. for TSN. John Liu's been on the air for TSN for close to 20 years. It's you know what it's it's the devil you know so to speak, and I mean that in an endearing way that you know they they're trusted voices now uh, that have long been kind of seen across the country, and where Sportsnet is starting to get there with a lot of personalities that have been on there for close to 20 years, Nick Kiprios and Darren Millard and Brad Fay. Um, you know, at the same time. I think there's a, there was a long time there was a perception that Sportsnet was a distant number two. And somewhere in the last few years, Sportsnet has benefited in two key areas. One, they spent a truckload of money on the NHL hockey deal. And two, the Jays have woken up. Yeah, And so that's... Uh, those are two huge competitive advantages where you look at the ratings now and suddenly... You know, Sportsnet's not number two anymore. Sportsnet's become number one. Now, you may have your preferences in terms of who you like, in terms of your personalities, which is a which is a subjective thing, or whether you know what sports. Uh, you know, Sports Center has been around a lot longer than you know Sportsnet Central or Sportsnet Connected or whatever it was, and I mean Sportsnet Central these days. But to have those shows, to have those shows comparatively in the talent, I mean, I think a lot of people there's been a perception that. TSN has had the better talent pool compared to Sportsnet. Uh, Rogers has the properties now. And ultimately, people watch what the games are. And so now Rogers benefits from having that huge competitive advantage that TSN enjoyed for years, where in the summer, TSN has the CFL. But Jays games with a competitive Jays team as a national brand is, you know, you're looking at almost a million viewers a day when the Jays are competitive. You know, once you start getting after after the All Star break and hockey, I think for all the complaints and all the doom and gloom that you know Rogers had to endure when they brought the hockey package over and uh, George Stromalopoulos, I think a lot of it stemmed from the fact that guess what, the Canadian team struggled in the outset. You had seven Canadian teams that all kind of you know 
hit the bricks, so to speak, at the at the worst possible time. So, you know, people are critical of the product more more so probably because the team the teams weren't doing well. Vancouver struggled, Calgary struggled, Edmonton was a disaster. Ottawa struggled, Montreal struggled, the Leafs struggled, the Jets struggled. Now we're starting to see some of these teams come to life, and this is year three of the deal. And you know, do you hear the complaints? You know, do you hear the complaints now? Not as much. They're they're way more muted. I mean, you're not going to please everybody, but now all of a sudden, as teams start to turn it around, so now Edmonton's showing signs of life. The Leafs are an exciting upstart team. Montreal looks to be a contender once again. Ottawa's much better, uh, you know, and Calgary's starting to make that push. And Vancouver is obviously going through a rebuild, and the Jets are competitive. But this is where Rogers can start benefiting, and where Rogers will benefit, I think, will be a generational thing because it's a 12-year hockey deal. So in 12 years' time, those kids that are in elementary school right now, like I look at my five-year-old or my eight-year-old, you know, with the end of this hockey deal in another just under 10 years from now. They're going to be teenagers or finishing high school. And they'll probably know that the hockey games were always on Rogers, which will be a huge competitive advantage generationally that Bell Media and TSN have enjoyed for a number of years as well. So, and, and, and it also remains to be seen where the Jays go too, right? I mean, if the Jays stay competitive, that's a huge unless, – unless Bell Media invests in a baseball team or the Expos get back into Montreal – uh, that's going to be a huge competitive advantage that Rodgers and the Jays will hold over TSN and Bell Media. Now, the only contrast I want to get into that is you, you said that you think in the first year or so that it was the hockey teams that was causing the backlash. But this is just from my kind of point of view of it. I don't know if it was so much that or if it was the fact that people were so used to watching a Hockey Night in Canada on CBC and seeing your Ron McLean and Don Cherry do so much of the work. And then, and again, it's not to knock on anyone that was involved in it, but when you had George Dropolopoulos that people knew were a Mon- was a Montreal fan doing the hosting, and then you had Nick Kiprios on board, uh, a few people were thinking, like, why change something that wasn't broken? I, I look at it two ways, in the sense that you're coming, you're doing something new, you want to aspire to a young generation and show we're doing it our way. But at the same time, as they kind of backpedaled within the last year, and they got Ron McLean back doing a hosting job, they yeah. bring by or they they got Don Cherry still on board. So it, I, I know that it's like a hard kind of sell of trying to get something new, but trying to please everybody. But I think that's where a lot of the, in my perspective, a lot of people were being a little bit annoyed was the fact that you bought it and now you're trying to change something that wasn't broken. Yeah, I think to a degree, I think, you know, I think there were also people that felt like Hockey Night in Canada wasn't what it used to be when CBC lost the rights. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think there were a lot of different hearsay. And look, I wasn't in part of those discussions. I mean, those discussions are way above my pay grade and above my head. So, (laughs) But there was a lot of rumor and speculation that the NHL wanted to go in a different direction with the Hockey Night in Canada or the national NHL deal to go in a different direction as the face of Hockey Night in Canada and change change Ron McLean up. And there, I think there was a sense that they were tired of battling with Ron McLean and Gary Bettman and always kind of going after the commissioner every time he was on. And so I think there was an opportunity where I think Rogers saw 
an opportunity to go in a different direction. And from what I heard, there was a sense that they wanted to get James Duffy yeah. as and bring over all the TSN guys, much in the way that if you remember about 20-some years ago when Fox got the, the NFL package from CBS, and all of a sudden it was, or whether it was CBS or whether it was NBC at the time, I'm trying to remember now exactly, I think it was NBC, yeah. or maybe it was CBS at the time. But anyway, all of a sudden, you know, as Terry, Terry Bradshaw goes over and all these personalities that had gone over at the time, the Pat Summerall's and the John Madden, you know, they just basically went to the next contract. Well, I think Rogers probably thought the same way and trying to say, oh, okay, well, you know, we'll go get Bob McKenzie and we'll go get, you know, James Duffy and TSN and Bell Media, to their credit, spent a lot of money to keep those guys and keep them happy. And those guys all showed a tremendous amount of loyalty. Yeah. And so they stayed on board. So now Rogers was left to go, okay, well, wait a minute. Those guys, that, that hockey department is staying intact. So now what? And so they had to look at the existing talent pool within Hockey Night in Canada and also within, uh, you know, with Sportsnet and whoever else would be out there. And ultimately, they wanted to, they obviously had it in their mind that they wanted to go in a different direction beyond Ron and, and use George Strombolopoulos. And, and Strombo, I think, re- reflected a younger, a fresher approach in some people's minds to go in a different direction for Hockey Night in Canada and for a new generation. And I think for George, where he ran, I, I mean, I think George was a victim of some of these teams struggling. I think in large urban centers like Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver, you know, more cosmopolitan cities, you could kind of say, okay, I get where these guys could be more reflective to those sort of city slickers and that sort of hipster vibe. But a lot of people in more of your, you know, your heartland of the country, I don't think those guys necessarily bought George the way that people have consumed. Like, it is so hard. And I remember... I talked to you know I talked to one one hockey personality who was that a lot of people thought would be a perfect choice, and he didn't like the idea of wanting to be considered because he just he as he said to me I don't necessarily want to be known as the guy to replace Ron McLean, and that's a valid concern because that's a tough act to follow. Like I was joking earlier about Elliot trying to replace Elliot. I mean Ron McLean is our country's Bob Coster. I wanted to be Ron McLean when I was a kid. I had a chance to work with Ron for a couple of years. And every time I had a chance to speak, you know, do a double interview interview by phone or by satellite, um, you know, to talk to Ron, I always kind of, I always kind of remarked to myself, I was like, I can't believe I'm talking to Ron McLean right now. And that was one of the coolest things. And I still look back, like one of the coolest things, I had a chance to sit on a desk with Ron McLean and, I will always remember that, and I always thought that that was super cool. So Ron McLean and the way Ron just ate, sleeps, uh, consumes hockey and presents it. I mean, there's no, there's no playing around. There's no Ron doesn't try to be anything but you know, Mister Canadiana Hockey, and that's what we've known and trusted for you know thirty plus years. Yeah, and to work alongside Don Cherry. So I think. When you're going to change something that people are so consistent with, even if the numbers from a rating standpoint had gone down in years, there's still a lot of people that watched and a lot of people that say, hey, you know what, don't change it. People do not like change as a whole. You know what, go as your own personal experiment. 
just go suggest, hey, you know what, we're going to do this differently today. Watch how many people will say what. Oh, I've done it all the time. I do it all yeah. the time here, and people, people, it's it's, and I, I've done it to myself as well. There's times that I'll say, no, we're not doing it. We'll do it this way, and I'm like, are you really sure about that one, Tobin? And I'll be like, let's try it and see what happens. I like I like George Dropolopoulos. I I watched oh, him. Sure, now you know. <laughs> you like George Dropolopoulos? No, I mean, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, I, George and George was a guy that I think for a lot of people. He he will be a generational voice for a lot of Canadians and for for young Canadians and millennials or or for people in that sort of that twenty five to thirty five or twenty five to forty category. You know, a lot of people that grew up watching George, whether it was exactly that he was on George was on much. Yeah. George was on. You know, George was the host of the hour. George was the host of George Stromboulopoulos tonight, and you know, George was George. I think a lot of people would look at it and say, you know what, one of the best interviewers. Of his time, yeah, uh, one of the best broadcasters of his time, a guy who was incredibly relatable and didn't speak above you. He spoke to he spoke to the average person. You also, when you were at TSN, you did a radio show called Sabolsky and Company. Yeah, what was your favorite part about that, and how did you get back into the radio side? Because you used to be on TSN's TV side. Yeah, well, the, they approached me because they wanted to launch TSN Radio in Toronto. And uh, they had asked me if I'd be interested based on my radio experience and think they wanted to increase my profile. I had had a pretty good run coming off the uh, 2010 Olympics. And so they had approached me about doing the show in 2010 or early 2011 about doing the being the drive time host for TSN 1050 radio. And the idea was to work alongside Michael Landsberg. And Michael was a huge, I was a huge Michael Landsberg fan and really loved the idea of having a chance to work with him. You know, I, I, didn't, I, I, was, I was nervous about the idea of working, going up against Bob McCowan, who was just such a, I mean, Bob is, I don't think uh, it's a stretch to say that Bob's the greatest uh, sports talk radio host in this country. And dare I say, maybe one of the greatest talk show hosts in Canadian radio history. I mean, what he's been doing for so many years and to do it on a national platform for so long as well. I mean, he's unbelievable. I mean, he is, I mean, people could only strive to have, you could only aspire to have as much success that he's had. But I had a chance to work alongside Michael and then at the 11th hour, Michael, his schedule, it just wasn't going to work with Michael and he kind of pulled out. So it was just me and we kind of went with a bullpen by committee in terms of co-hosts and you know, I think the reality with that show was it was probably, for me, it was just a busy time where I became uh, a parent for the second time. And uh, I had a, I had a, balancing a startup radio station and trying to balance being a parent again with a newborn at home. And at the same time, uh, I think there was an expectation that, you know, Bell Media wanted ratings uh, a lot faster than they initially thought. Yeah. And so I did it for about a year and a half. And then... There is a demand to put me back on the TV side, but I'll tell you what: when it worked, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of pressure. It was, uh, but man, the experience, the opportunity to interview the likes of David Beckham, Mike Tyson, Serena Williams. Uh, I remember I had to challenge a parking ticket in, or there was a ticket I think I got from a, a cop, and I remember having to go to court, and I remember standing in front of the judge, and he said, "Sabalski," he said. You do the radio show on TSN, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, man, you get some great guests. Yeah. I think that's awesome. 
That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to James Sibolsky for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, thanks for listening and good night. Looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man Podcast. Join me, host Mike C, as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Kids, I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have have we we the perfect perfect podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous. Or sexy. Catch us on on the the Dean Dean Blundell Network. Or on our YouTube channel. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Because Because democracy democracy is something you do. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.